Hey, this is Eric from Catching Light. Hey, this is Hemp. Hey, this is Glenn. Hi, I'm Steve-O. Hey, this is Drew Hines with Hindsight Imagery. This is Matt Callahan and Digimati Photographic Services. Hey, this is Jason, and welcome to Tales from the Pit. All right, thanks everyone for watching. On this episode of Tales from the Pit, we have a very special guest that we're really excited to talk about. His name is Justin Price, and I met him through uh, in this moment on their current 19, uh, 2019 tour. Justin, welcome to Tales from the Pit. Thanks for being here. Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me. Uh, one little crisis, press. <laughs> press, sorry, press. sorry, sorry. Yeah, P-R-E-S-S. I know, it, it, believe me, man, I get all kinds of questions on how it's spelled or whatever. I was just like, is press really that foreign? <laughs> it should be so, that easy, right? You're right. Well, totally. no, thanks for having me, man. Um, yeah, dude, uh, photography. I'll tell you what I do right now, and then I'll kind of get into We can kind of, if you want, just circle back to kind of how sure. I got into the shooting. Um, yeah. Man, I, right now, I currently, I work for, well, obviously, everyone's on hiatus right now, so I'm not really working for any bands. I'm not, I had some, I had some stuff set up for all the Wimmer festivals, uh, handling the A&R for a thing called the Music Experience. Um, which basically all the gear companies come out there and we bring artists out to the tents and, you know, they can jam and, art, um, you know, the fans can kind of go in there and, uh, and play around and things like that. So it's just a really cool, unique, inclusive experience. Uh, but that went away. But it, for the interim right now, I, I work for Shiprocked and I've been working with the crews for now for 12 years. Um, and hey, basically, explain what Shiprocked is. Shiprocked is a yearly uh, rock festival on a cruise. Um, we were kind of what we started out actually – Alan, who's the guy who is the producer of it and he owns the name of thing, he used to manage Vince Neal. Okay. And the Vince used to have these golf tournaments in California um, to, uh, for cancer for because his daughter Skylar had passed away due to cancer. And so basically, Alan kind of took this idea and then they came up with they did a thing called the, they did Motley Cruise yep. for two years. Um, and then Alan decided, you know what, I think I can do this cruise thing. I think it's, it's not really happening yet, but I, I see a future for it. So he just walked away from all that, started Shiprocked and changed it to more of a modern rock uh, kind of format. And now it's this big thing that sell, we sell it out in like 48 hours and it's like four or 5,000 people. We, this year we're selling out in 2021. We were really scared, man, when we put it on sale because all this COVID came down. We don't know where the industry's going. But the cruise industry is different because if the ships are going, we're going. We're not waiting on AEG or Live Nation. We're doing our thing. Yep. Um, we sold 97% in the first like 72 hours. We were sh flabbergasted. And I think it was a lot of people just wanted to get back out and try to live a normal life again. Yeah, um, no kidding. So I've been doing Shiprocked. I basically now I'm to the point where now I'm emceeing a lot of stuff. I do all the social media. I do a lot of photography on there. Um, so that's kind of keeps my chops up for an event yearly. I also do a business development and social media for a thing called Silver Spear Security. We do lots of events, but we also handle all the security for tours for Motley, Nickelback, Shinedown, Post Malone. So we're busy taking care of that. So we're always, again, we're all, we're shut down right now, but right. we've got some events coming up in, out of, out of the country that are actually going to happen since they're not really, uh, 
under U.S. law. Oh, interesting. Cool. So I do, I do that, man. I just and everything else, man. I just moved to New Orleans back in March, and people are like, "Man, these shoes can be great." It's like, you know, how many photographers are down here? A <laughs> rock, you're gonna hit twenty in that one rock. Wow. So, dude, but I get inspired, man. I ride through the town. I ride through all through like this part of like uh, the city all the time, and I get inspired. There's lots of great architecture and everything like that. But as far as music photography, man, there's nothing happening right now. So I can tell you how I kind of got into it. Unlike anyone, probably all y'all, it's just as your kids, you picked up your parents' Kodak and Stomatic or your, you know, your Polaroid. And well, what's this? And you started taking photos and go, cool. And you did the thing where you're like, half your day is doing this. You're trying to get it. <laughs> and then I went to high school, man. I didn't think about anything like that anymore. I just kind of switched to sports and girls and music. And I went to co- when I went to college, went to college UT. And I started writing for the college paper and they had a photography department, and I just picked up an old black and white, an old AE1, and saw some, saw some stuff for that, just local stuff. I think my first show I ever shot was Mud Honey for them. Nice. So that was like 89, 90. And so I had some stuff there, and I kind of caught the bug. Uh, but after school, I went into different things. I was a school teacher for a while and stuff just to pay my college bills, and then then got into music business actually through internships at Sony and then kind of worked my way into that label thing. And then the label thing went away. Long story short, I got into live music. I worked, started working for AEG and dude, how I got the AEG thing. And people go, how do you get a job in music business? I'm like, random yeah. shit is how you get in there. Yeah. There's a to- There's like, you can get an intern and this and that and be part of that. But mine was basically, dude, I was like 31 you know, way beyond internship. So I went, I went to this new theater in Dallas. It's called the, the Grand Next Stage, but it was like the it was one of the first theaters that was like basically like had cup holders and seats to recline. Is like the like the new super like you know it wasn't the old like war memorials where it's concrete in a stage. It was like nice. So I went and saw Sticks and REO, just girlfriend at the time and I both dug it. We let's go check this place. I went there. The staff was super nice. The the place was nice. It sounded articulate. So the next day I was like, you know what? Man, you know what? I'm going to write a letter to him. Just thank him. Say, you guys are on a great path here. This is amazing theater. I've been to shows since I was, I think my first show was 1976. I saw Kiss Destroyer tour. Nice. Yeah. Well, look, real back. Let me go back. So I was one of those kids that when you go see a show and you're in the 70s, obviously music drives the culture, unlike now, which is kind of like, it's there, but it doesn't drive the culture like you used to. And I'm like, anyone, I picked up Korean Magazine, Hit Parader, Circus, and I remember names like Lisa Robinson and people like that who shot those photos, the Kiss yep. photos, the Cheap Trick photos, the Nugent photos. I know all those names, you know, so um, it stuck with me. But so I always knew about rock and roll photography, but I never really, I never thought you can't make a living. This is this a job? This is an actual job. You can go, people do this. I'm just, you know, fuck, what do I know? Um, so, dude, I got the job at AEG because I wrote this really nice letter. The next day they called me and said, we got a letter you wrote. And we're like, yeah. It's like, do you have time to come in for an interview? I'm like, sure, random. Yeah, why not? So I came in there and they're like, well, we're looking for, uh, they met me and I, we talked and said, we're looking for production runners. I'm like, well, they do. I said, well, you drive artists and stuff around and you pick up groceries and take care of the dress rooms. I'm like, fuck them in. Yeah. So I did that, dude. And I worked for AG uh, until like 2008, Christmas of 2008. And 
I was a marketing manager, basically, which that's what my last job was marketing. And basically my job besides marketing was taking care of the photographers and writers at the show. So basically I was, you know, like you guys, you corralled in there, you do your three songs, you're out. Yep. You know, um, but here's the kicker. I never took one fucking photo when I worked at the venue. I had every opportunity to take the greatest photos, backstage stuff, talking to like anything and everyone that played Duran Duran, Motley, Sting. I never took I never took one photo, not even with my phone. Really, I was getting impressed until you, you want to know why. I, I not was not because I didn't think about it because we had a house photographer. A, I wasn't going to step on any toes, and B, I didn't want to be seen as a fan. I wanted to be treated as yep. professional, and it's a really fine line. Um, I mean, I had some great moments that are in my memory bank of having beers with artists afterwards. And I really wish, I think the only photo I got was with Ronnie James Dio when heaven and hell came through. Cause he actually asked to have a photo. Cause we had like an hour long conversation and for life me, I can't find that fucking photo. Oh dude, that's such a clap. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, God sake. So I'm like, that's just part of it, man. But I never took a photo dude. And I was just like, I'm kicking myself. So when I left AEG, I started a small boutique PR company. Uh, with but a girl I work with, AG, her husband is doing it. And we're very similar, like rock and roll, metal, bands, all that stuff. So we had that, well, he had a partner that he didn't like anymore. And he was looking for someone to join him. So I came on board. And the first account we ever landed was Monster Energy. Oh, cool, yeah. If you want to hear the story how we got the Monster deal, it's three minutes and it's hysterical. Go ahead. I so want to hear about you Monster. Got, you got to hear it, dude. You we'll bring it on. It. We're here. Yeah, Absolutely. this is great. So. We were doing, in 2008, AEG in Dallas, who I worked for, we were doing the only, they tried to revive the, the OzFest because Sharon had let it go for a few years. And they were going to do a one-off OzFest. Dallas got it. AEG's in charge of it. It's going to be Ozzy Metallica. And then, you know, everyone under that. It doesn't matter who's under that. That's the bill. So we do the, we do the show, and I was working in uh, picking up sponsorships with my friend Julie. So we were also uh, in charge of Monsters were up, up in Calgary. So we were kind of doing like, if you got on with us in Calgary, you get on an OzFest. So you spend 50,000 bucks to get both festivals. So we did that. And that one was like Ozzy Priest um, and then the Underville. So we pick up Monster Energy because Monster at this time just was really new on the market. It just been out a year and they just started a foray into the music side of things. They were like, they didn't know how to spend the money, didn't know what to get involved with. They were doing motor racing, and they thought, this one kid that got in with them says, you should do music. So they gave him in charge of the department. I didn't meet him in Calgary because when they were, one of his under people were there, and I met her. She's actually now a pretty good friend, and actually she is married to the guitar player, and in this moment, it's a small world, believe me. So, uh, is that Chris? So we met her. Although we go down to Dallas like three weeks later, and we have OzFest. Well, the guy who's going to be later be my partner, Kel, he's in a hotel by the, by this football stadium. And it's the middle of the afternoon, it's production afternoon, day before the show. And he gets on and he's going up to his room and he goes, man, I'm sitting in the elevator. It's like two in the afternoon. And this guy gets on and he's shit faced, absolutely loaded. And, and he goes, I'm standing there looking at this guy. And he's like kind of measuring him up and down. And the guy kind of pulls his head up kind of drunk and, He's like, and my, and Kel, the guy was wearing a Keel shirt. Remember Keel from Oklahoma? Oh, yeah. He oh, goes, yeah. dude, who the fuck listens to Keel? They struck up a, a conversation, went out of the elevator, one drunk, one sober, and they talked and talked and talked. 
And basically by the end of that conversation is, hey man, I run Monster Energy's music division. I think I need PR. I want to hire you because Kel told him what he did. So that's how we got the deal over a fucking keel shirt. Oh my <laughs> like if God. he was wearing a fucking Slayer shirt, we would have never got that fucking deal. That's awesome. And Keel too. I love Ronnie Keel. He's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so dude, so I started working for them and we were picking up these accounts, but Monster gave me entree into getting back into music, live shows and shooting because we needed product photos. So I started picking up the camera. I picked up, I went out and bought a, I think the first camera I went out and bought with some money I had was the 40D, Canon 40D. Yep. Decent at the time, 10 megs. I, I think it came with a kit lens, which I never used. I just threw a 50, one, four on there. It was like a Sigma and just yep. started there. And I was like, okay, I'm getting this again. I'm getting back into the feel of it. And I started still, I'm still shooting some film. But when I was shooting film back in, in, in college and after college, when I would shoot it, I was mostly big into going and shooting cemeteries angels and this atmospheric stuff just kind of growing up as a kid in the horror and i was a lot of that is actually was able to sell those things i was actually selling these prints you know and when you're it's medium format 16 by 20 whatever it looks gorgeous framed awesome. so i was like cool but we walk and we you know we rolled into the digital age i think the first digital camera i ever got dude fuji film put out this 2.2 megapixel and i can't remember the model you know it's this all-in-one bullshit yeah i was yeah. like man the digital world what's this about yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So years later, when I got the 40D, which was like a hot rod compared to that thing, and as I start moving up the food chain, you started getting into the 5Ds and everything else, and the 1DXs and stuff like that. So man, I just started shooting, and then I started, you know, local like makeshift blogs that were like, you know, because a lot of these PR people, man, they're just looking for someone in the city to shoot their artist. Man, you were right for or you shoot for Dallas Music Guide. I don't know what the fuck it is. Yeah, you're on. And you just start picking up these things, man. And you're turning in your work right away, your quality work, you know, and you're getting out there and you're making a name for yourself, not being an asshole and not being pushy. Um, you give them what they want, you know. And, uh, yeah, I started picking up gigs, just shooting, man. And I was just shooting. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't. And I, so I kept the point of shooting and I started making friends with bands. And then they'd ask me to shoot some stuff. And I'd, I'd make a little money doing it. But I was only because I only – Sometimes I ask for money because you know what I, I didn't want to do? I didn't want to be the guy who's free because then basically doing you're shortchanging anyone who's trying to make a living. Right. And I never wanted to do that. I said, hey, I'll, I'll do it, but I'll charge you this much. Um, you'll get these shots, but I'm not going to be like, yeah, man, whatever you need, bro. I'm your buddy. No, this is a business. All the shit I had used cost film, and I don't want to shortchange my friends who are actually trying to make a living doing this. Because right. if they would have said, well, you know, if, if I wouldn't have been confident in my skills to actually – be asking for money, I would have just given the gig to someone else. Because that's, right. I just wanted, I wanted that kind of build that kind of sense of community and, and be this, be stand up in a position. And sometimes in a business, you guys all know, there's some real shady shifty fucks that will undercut you just to get the gig and it sucks. All the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. And dude, but, uh, so yeah, man, I've just been shooting. So that was like 2009 until now. And then when I met you, Jace, um, I've gotten to know, Mar I'd know Maria and the band from working with Monster for so long, and they were coming on Ship Rock, and I got to be buddies. Um, and through friends, um, they liked a lot of my work. And then they were, they were losing their photo guy um, for the 2019. He was going off with Lamb of God and I think Gojira, doing some other stuff. And they're like, so they got hold of me through a third party and said, hey, man, you want to come out and shoot us? But they're like, the caveat was, we need video too. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck. I'm not a video guy. 
<laughs> I like to hear this part. <laughs> so I'm like, right, I'm not a video guy. So buddy of mine, Zach, is a shooter for Nike and National Geo. And he gave me a crash course in the weekend on how to shoot video. And you guys are going to go get this. That's so why I switched to the Sony system. Because yeah. I can shoot quality photos still on the system, but uh, it's also top-notch for what they're doing video-wise. So I figured it out enough to get the shots I needed and then learn Premiere Pro uh, through the tour manager <laughs> while we're going. Because Maria's band, she's like, hey, when I get off stage, I want this, I want this video, I want these many photos, I want these many boomerangs. And she wants it and she knows what she wants. And you try to create some stuff. And listen, the guy before me, I think he's going to go back with him eventually. He's top notch. And then the kid who kind of came after, I not left, I, I guess I left position, but I still stayed with the band doing security. But he came on and he was a, a piece of work to deal with, but he's, his stuff was really good. Um, but she was about delivery band. But um, yeah, the whole video, I mean, there's very few people now who can actually just pure shooters that go on tour, Rob Fenn. Um, a couple other people, you know, obviously Ross Halfin and stuff like those guys yep. are just, yep. they, they will not do video. They'll just shoot and bands know that. Uh, listen, just coming from a perspective, I understand why they want the video because they need it for social media posts. And it's like, but I'm quite honestly, it's like when you're on tour, it's about the iconic images you can create. that are going to last forever. Yep. Like that whore shot I got, the back shot, what you and I were just talking about. I could do a thousand video things that make it look like fucking like whatever. I, I could look at, make it look like, blue planet you know on netflix or whatever i could make it look like but it wouldn't capture the essence and spirit of that shot and what it means because she can look back in 20 years and go man that shot yeah. and the video stuff again man it's just like it, it takes a lot of skill to do it and but my thing like this and i'll probably get just run over the culture this i said most guys who do really well in video their stills are not there they're so used to movement that when they're yeah. trying to capture the moment it's super hard for them because yeah. their brain it has to switch so quickly and their brain's just not locked into that one thing. Yeah, and there's some more they can pull off a great shot and they'll scope, they'll go, again, we run into digital, it's like machine gun. I know I got one in here somewhere. Yep. You know? That must True. set for a pretty long day. If you have to do video and photography for a show, that must be a long day of editing. <sighs> yeah, dude. Well, you know, <laughs> the problem is, is you don't get a chance to like, you could shoot it but as soon as you get the shows done, you got to be in your editing booth. Yeah. You don't get the next day to really work on it. I mean, I was able to get some time, say, hey, look, can I work on this? Do you mind? And it wasn't too, like, it wasn't too hard-nosed, but you realize that you're quite honestly, when you're done shooting, you got to get in there and start working on stuff. And yeah. so that goes, your evening begins at whenever the show begins, and then at 2 or 3 in the morning when you're, like, kind of looking at things and you're, falling on the desk trying to figure it out you're frustrated because you can't get everything to sync up and then you have to add in like the noise effects and the cuts and the weird graininess because it's all about atmosphere with, within this moment of course yeah which is kind of cool because I mean obviously it gives you like this this uh, creative mode to work and you know I, I so I, there's times when I like I got one video I'm really proud of man and I would just I became a, a big fan of like forward backward reversing the, the look yeah and uh, there's one scene I got her where she just I sped up the, the, the video to like like four or five times its actual speed. And she's banging on that war podium up above everything. And I kind of, there was a lot of fog and stuff. So I made it kind of dense. And then I looked at it and I go, oh, man, what does she look like? What does she look like? What, oh, I knew exactly what she looks like. So I put it in forward really fast, reverse real fast, 
bring it back. She remind me of Hitler at Nuremberg. Oh, really? Oh, the. I know. Just that, like you know, he's really like you know, because he's like a, he was like a, a speedhead. Yeah. He was like an, on amphetamines all the time, so everything's like quick action. I said that looks like Triumph of the Will, like the old German propaganda film. I said it looks like Hitler. So that's right. how I'm gonna that's how I'm gonna treat this video. Right. That's cool. And she, I told her that, and she's like, but she liked the effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you learned premiere on the on the run, basically, is what you said. Do what? How is that possible? You you you, you learned premiere on the run, like overnight type of thing. Uh, no, I, I that was I kind of learned premiere from uh, the tour manager, who's really good at it. Because she's that's, that's she, not an easy her, task. No, it's not. And you know, believe me, there the arguments got you know not heated because why would you, I just got frustrated at myself and obviously whoever's in your periphery is going to catch some of that heat. But uh, she was just really mature about it and like, you know, kind of kept me in line, started showing me what, what, and I would just, you know what I do, man? I, the band was so cool. Cause I wouldn't show the final product to Maria until it was the final product. I'd go to the band and go, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And I was like, cool, do this, do that. And so I would just basically take markers from them and, and do that, man. And again, I was, I was given the freedom to make it kind of look fucked up. And so when you don't have the skill set to make it look glossy, that kind of helps because you're kind of, it's all really rudimentary looking, you know, but she wanted the cool fade outs and stuff like that. I was like, man, I'm not there, but I can do these <laughs> things enough. I can make it good enough to look on when you put it on Instagram where this was all going, you know, it's not going on up your desktop. You know, someone's looking on their right, phone. Right, right, and their phone, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. But correct. I got through it enough, and my stills were enough, were good enough to kind of keep me in the saddle. Nice. But, dude, I tell you what, it's like anything that tour, um, being on tour, and I think you guys see it, you guys shooting from a pavilion or a place you guys are very familiar with. The more you shoot, the more you realize the show is, the, the really good photos aren't on stage. It's everything's going on around you. My my favorite is getting in the pit, turning around and facing the crowd. Those are yep, my favorite exactly. shots. Yep. Oh, I mean, man, I just that or when you're backstage, you know, it's not a big deal to us, man. But when you see like a road case and it's got a stencil on it of when you're the band you're shooting, it's that's it's cool to you. But man, when you put it out there for people to look at fans, they like get all it puts goosebumps, man. There's times when I walk by, I was like at Columbus and I saw I love Cheap Trick forever and only shot them twice, but I never shot them backstage walking by and there's Nielsen's like set up with like the road kit and like the stencil. I'm going, how many times did I put it on my fucking wall when I was 11? Yeah. You take a shot and you're like, that was for me. Yeah, totally. And, but dude, just like shooting, like, like a Slayer show, man, it's turning and facing the crowd. I'm like, it's their faces. Like, do I need another photo of Tom Mariah? Yeah, they're great. I'll get the one guy I need because I need to have it. But I'm like, the crowd is where the shots are at, man. Yeah. And especially when you put it, shows like that, especially when you put it in a, like a monochrome, it's haunting. It's these people look possessed. We this talked about a, a Slayer show tonight. As a matter of fact, it was one of the images we broke down earlier. So it's cool that you bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, man. Very, very impressive like, background, Justin. And, very, very good. You do what now? You have a very impressive background. Oh, well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. So, I, uh, so I, again, I think what, to me, what I've learned over time is like, it's like anything is like, it's like, you go back to being a fan. It's like, man, you kind of get there. You love when show day comes, but it's the buildup. It's like Christmas Eve when you're a kid, man. I don't want Christmas to happen because Christmas Eve is so kick-ass. And once that tomorrow happens, I gotta wait another stinking year. 
it's like being in line when you're a kid. And I don't know, obviously you guys, you guys all look somewhere, somewhere in the ballpark of me. It's like how many times you wait in line for concert tickets? Like what yeah. you waited in line for physical tickets at like a Sears or wherever. That was an incredible moment. You know, you're yep, excited. I remember you know? those days. Yeah. yeah. So to go and to me, the shows in, in the audience and those shots really mean more to me than anything on stage. I mean, there's some great shots you can get on stage. And again, if you're getting paid, you need those shots and you can find some incredible shots from, from bands. But if I'm just going as a pure fan and shooting and just wanting to have fun, the crowd shots mean everything to them. Cause a lot of times I'll single out who I shot said, what's your name? Give me an email. I got a shot coming to you. You're going to freaking love. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And uh, I, those I don't mind giving away. Cause that's kind of like, you know, you got to pay this stuff forward. You got to have get some good karma and uh, stuff. But you know, my, here's my, here's the one thing I could, I could say in the last four years where I'm like, I can't believe I freaking blew it. And it just reminded me the technical aspect that we sometimes forget about these damn cameras. I didn't check my sizing. Yeah. When I shot Slayer one time and I had this fantastic shot of Gary Holt and Gary and I have become kind of slowly kind of friends. And I sent him some photos. He's like, Holy shit, this one photo, you know, it's Gary Singer, he holds a guitar above him and just like lifts reverberates a sustain. But it was a pretty, I gnarled up the picture in this kind of tin type kind of layer. And he goes, dude, I need that shot. I said, yeah, what do you need for it? He's like, I'm going to, my new clothing line's coming out. I need it for the, the tag, for the, like the, oh, cool. the, the yeah. like the merch and scan tag, like the dangler. I was like, yeah, no worries, man. He goes, and I started looking at the photos on me and I, I knew what size he needed. I went, it doesn't have to clean what's going on. So I look back at all my tech specs. I was like, <laughs> I can't believe I had it on like small red, like low res. I think what happened that night is I was stuck in the back of the crowd and I knew I had to get up front. And as soon as they were starting, like the whole thing they do to start, I was way still waking my way. So I never had a chance to kind of stop, look, check everything. And I was like, can't believe it <laughs> yeah we've uh, that's you know that's happened to me so many times where you're like oh my god this that was the moment i missed it because of something stupid yeah, that well, i forgot you just to missed do. it from and that wasn't even like there was no he may give me like a couple hundred bucks i didn't care at that point i'm like man now this i want to be part of slayer lore man i want to have a thing on one of his of his shirts and stuff like that but um it's so funny so we're talking about like slayer and just like the business real quick. So back when I was working for AG, one of my best moments, dude, speaking, talking about Slayer, I think it was Slayer. They were on the tour with like Slayer, Lamb of God, Macedon, and like Thine Eyes Bleed, which is Tom's younger brother's band. And uh, Hanneman was still alive at the time. So yeah. I'm back there and I'm working exclusively with the Slayer crew. And I guess Hanneman's guitar tech came up to me. I forgot his name. He goes, hey, man, Jeff's really needed some new Heineken stickers for his, his guitar. I said, and it's for his road case. I'm like, man, I, okay, we're in a venue in the middle of nowhere. How am I going to get this? So I go to the bar guy. I got, because we had a bunch of bars in a venue. I said, man, you got a chance? Got any kind of like POP? And he's Heineken. He goes, no, I got nothing for you, man. I'm sorry. I don't have anything. So I'm like, God damn, I have to take, drag my ass back there. And I hate telling people I'm sorry or no. Right. So I usually try to make things happen. I'm like, man, if there was like a Spencer somewhere here, I'd drive there and go get some freaking stickers or something. Well, anyway, the guy from the bar calls me. He's like, I got something else you may like. I said, okay, what it is? He had a massive Heineken neon. Like okay. he put in a bar. So I went, I said, I'm going to take down to this thing, man. Went down there. The guy was like, 
that is the greatest thing. He's going to love it. Hanneman found me. He's like, dude, that is, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with it. We're going to put it on the bus. It's amazing. Thank you so much. And I was like, all right, man. Yeah, rock and roll. That's <laughs> nice. cool. Yeah, Home man. run right there. Dude, it's cool. So it's funny, too, like another story, just to show you how just cool, just cool things. I mean, you guys know the inner workings, but so Corn, when they came back, um, I think it was shortly after Dime, Dime had passed away, and they came back on tour, and they did a Christmas show at the venue. Well, at this point, um, I think Fieldy had uh, – this is before Head decided to go sober and, and go into his thing. I think yeah. Fieldy had gotten sober. Yeah. And he had uh, really been into a lot of, like, a lot of books of teaching, like a you know, Rich Made Life or whatever those books are called. Not the Napoleon Hill Life a book. It was something else. Anyway, so a girlfriend of mine had really – met him at a meet and greet if we had in the building beforehand and was talking to him about like her sister passed away or, or like someone, something happened in the family. So I know that really upset her and he was like really talking to her. And then like, I think before their show happened, he found me and goes, where's that girl you're with? I think, I think she's somewhere. So I called her. He basically spent like an hour trying to find her. Cause he had one of those books to give her to say, oh, Hey, really? look, this might help you through your, what you're wow. going through. And it's just one, again, man, it's one of those things you're like, man, I love this business for that reason, because you're going to come across some moments. Believe me, I've come across some real arrogant. I like to put that <laughs> wall, but there's been some times when people you didn't, you were like that guy. And then you meet him like, man, it's amazing. It's amazing business to be in. Yeah, and that's it's amazing. Awesome. Because it's a really super amazing business to be able to take photos and share those photos with the artists, you know, because yeah, it makes you feel so good cool. to make, it, it's just that like, you know, it's, it's good to be part of the, you feel like you're part of that machine, you know, you're representing them. Are you trying the best to represent them to not only your photographic audience, but to them and they can take, uh, I think they take uh, joy in knowing that people are capturing them in the right way. Yeah. I mean, you're becoming their brand ambassador, whatever you want to call 1, it. 1000% dude. You're like the best street team they ever had. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, That's I'm granted. I'm, I can tell you there's constant artists that see a, a, something online that someone posted and they will, Man, I wish I could have authorized that photo because that one sucked. Look how fat I look. Like my hair's out of place. I'm not even playing the right guitar. My sponsor's gonna kill me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I, that's that's kind of the catch when we've talked about that with as being a photographer. Your job is not to capture a a photo of the artist. Your cat. Your job is to make the artist to sell the artist. Your, your photo is important to them in their vision and their brand. Yeah, and all that stuff. Because you know, I mean, it's it's a really it's the domino effect. The artist gets it. Manager gets it, agent gets it, promoter gets it. If if they don't like it, it all comes back to the house. The production manager's like, I didn't take the photo, and they'll find whatever photographer's like, dude, next time you gotta do better, you know, whatever. Hey, thanks for watching part one of our interview with Justin Press. If you have suggestions for future shows, email us at nhconcertphotogs at gmail.com. Also, check us out on YouTube. We'll see you next time.